Welcome to the J.F. Harris Ministries podcast. Join us today as we explore God's Word. We hope this message encourages, inspires, and uplifts you. For more information about this podcast and other valuable resources, please visit us at redeemedassembly.com. Now let's join Dr. James F. Harris. How many of y'all are waiting on something and hear from God? Amen. Don't get discouraged if when you're waiting, you've done everything right and you don't get it right away. Sometimes the Lord will let you wait and this demonstrate whether or not you have faith in God. Abraham was called the father of the faithful, not because of all of the good stuff he did, but because he had faith in God and he believed God. And we got to have that faith in him as well. We, we want to talk about the crucified life. We want to talk about that crucified life and that is so important to us as children of the Most High God. The old text is found in the Revelations chapter 2 verse 20 and 21. Galatians chapter 2 verses 20 and 21, the King James text. All right, let's read. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ. Mm-hmm. What is meant by frustrating the grace of God? Frustrating the grace of God. What is meant by that? Frustrating the grace of God. Say it again. All right. All right, that's good. What else? Anyone else? Yes. All right. All right. That's one aspect of it. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's true. But what else? All right. Actually, what it means is not taking advantage of grace. Grace has been provided, but we don't use the grace that have been given us. Or either we, we say we got the grace and don't use it. I gave you a job, I gave you money, and every week you come back telling me you won't rent money. Why did I give you, you, you ever got mad with somebody you've done a whole lot for and they keep coming back to you asking you for the same thing you've given them? Y'all never did that, have you? Y'all are such beautiful people. Paul said, I will not frustrate the grace. Can someone tell me what is grace? What is grace? Grace is 
What is grace? God's ability. God's ability. Amen. How many of you have grace? Hollow and tell somebody, I got grace. I got grace. Thank God. I have grace. But for the grace of God, I'll still be in sin. But for the grace of God, I would have backslid. John, John 1.16 said, grace for grace gives grace. And James 4 said, God resisted the proud and give grace to the humble. It's going to take grace to, lead, to live this crucified life. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, yet not I, but I live, but not me, but Christ lives within me. All right. There is a mandate that we live holy. There's a mandate that we live holy. It's a mandate that we maximize holiness in our lives. The author here says that for the most part, most people today are 34 Christians. God is calling us. He says they brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Most people today satisfied with being a 30-fold Christian. Give me the attributes of a 30-fold Christian. Somebody give me the attributes of a 30-fold Christian. Happy just to be saved. They just come to church just enough. They don't have staying power. Amen. And most importantly, in the class of 30 60 on a hundredfold. What category best describe you? That's what it comes down to. Which category best describe you? And it's a personal thing. I was uh, just thinking about the Lord and uh, this loving God. Just loving God. And something seldom you see now is people that actually love God. They are religious. They go to church. But do they really love God? And I question myself. James, do you really love God? And each of us must ask ourselves that question. Do I really love God? Or have I got religion down pretty pat and I can follow a pattern? God is not interested in you doing the right thing, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. He wants somebody who loves him out of their heart. Our theme this year talks about us being under submission. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, you'll keep my commandment. What would happen if a man or a woman told you that they love you and they're always showing up late or never showing up, never offering you anything, always demanding of you, 
never telling you that they love you and make any excuse not to be in your presence. How about a, a man or a woman that goes through a whole lot of rituals? Just go through the ritual all the time. And this ask you what's for breakfast, what's for lunch, what's for dinner. Ate it, got up, never said the meal was good or anything. Just got up and you asked them, how was the meal? And then they said, it was all right. How would you feel? Would you feel that person love you? Or suppose, <laughs> I thought it was real funny, one guy had just been in a seminar and he was talking about men and their attention to their wives. He went and got in the car. She heard the teaching and so she stood outside of the car waiting for him to come and open the door so she could get in. He rolled the window and asked her, why are you standing there? He said, I'm waiting for you to open the door. His response to her was, you better get in this car. Sometimes we treat God the same way. We say he's the almighty God. How much time do you spend in, the day, in, the, in your daytime just thinking about God? Or is he an afterthought when you fill your space with everything else? Oh, by the way, God now relationship with you is, oh, by the way. My praise is, by the way. My reading the word, oh, by the way. My prayer is, oh, by the way. And so many times we think because it's by the way and we fulfill it, I'm doing my job. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And God is saying, I want somebody that's going to love me, not by the way, but their first thoughts in the morning is about me. Their last thought at nighttime is about me. I want somebody that's going to really love me with all their heart. Amen. If you love me, keep my commandments. And that goes back to our theme, don't it? What is the theme? All right, what is it? And what, what, what are we under? What, what authority are we under? What authority are we under? All right. Under the authority of Jesus Christ, his word has become our mandate. Isn't it good to find people in God that says you can see in them their eyes, their life? They would die before they backslide. You have to look hard today to see people with that on them. They would die before they would backslide. 
their admiration for God, their hearts are so poured out to him, they'll rather die than the backslide. But today you find more people than when you see them, you say, I'm glad you made it through the week. But what about having it all about yourself? I'm not worried about them. If they're living, they're serving God. If they're living, they are worshiping. If they are living, they are, they are praying. If they are living, they are reading the word of God. This is what I'm talking about, us moving up from the 34 Christian into a position where we can become lovers of him. We cannot in our own self do anything to please God. Philippians, I think it's 2.13, says it is God that work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasures. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, verse 25, Hebrews 12, 25, what it says. Right. Next verse is there another verse. And let me tell you, you can actually walk in the presence of the Lord and see His handiwork, see His miracles, and still not love God. You can come to church all your life and still not love God. You can perform all of the duties in the church and still not love God. God is looking for lovers. Will you be a lover for him? He's not looking for somebody that's ready to do the rules and regulations. He's looking for somebody who will do them, but the motivation is love. Love out of a pure heart. Loving the Lord. So God give us the grace to serve him. And we are serving God because of his grace. I'm not here tonight to condemn anybody because nobody can really judge your relationship with Jesus Christ but yourself. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here tonight that we might be, because see what happened to us a lot of time. Corinthians says, Corinthians 4 says, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The God of this world have blinded the mind. Most people that don't really love God don't know they don't really love God. Because the first thing that the devil do is blind your mind to where you are. The prodigal son did not realize he was going to end up at the pig pen until he was there. He didn't know what brought him there. And therefore, we as a people of God, we want to be to that place that we are at a place where 
we are conscious. See, one thing that loving God do, it always make you conscious and aware of those things that are around us and make us, wake us up. Man, you have your spirit, do your spirit shake you sometimes? Your spirit call you in questions? Call your actions in question? Call your motives in question? Amen. Look at somebody, anybody, look at somebody. Tell them that's not who I'm supposed to compare myself to. Christ is the man. Christ is the man. All right. When you, Paul said, when you compare yourselves among yourself, then you're not wise. So the writer in this uh, book says, too many of us are satisfied just with being um, 34 Christian. And then the question is asked, how are we going to go on to the next stage? The writer says he felt compelled to stir people and to stir those that were 34 into becoming 60 and 100-fold. We want to reach that in Christ. We need to provoke one another to good works. I am my brother's keeper. We need to have that intimate relationship. Somebody give me an idea. How, what do you do to really fall in love with God? Give me an idea of falling in love with God. What do you do? How do you fall in love with God? Beside this coming church, paying tithes and offering, yes. Pray. Pray. All right. Meditate on the word. Spontaneous. All right. All right. Anyone else? You set aside time. Amen. Time. Time is is time defines and time set the standard for whether or not we love or not. Time. Some, sometimes we as parents give our kids everything except us. And we say, I thought they would know I love them because I gave them the car, the train, the skateboard, and everything else. But you gave them everything except what? You. God so loved that he gave what? His son. So that we could have the right to the tree of life. And therefore, we have to also measure ourselves on how much time are we giving to God. How much time do you give to the word of God, reading the word of God? How much time do you give in prayer? That don't mean you got to be on your knees all the time praying, but even when you're walking around, we need to be meditating on the Lord. And as we meditate on him, he massages our heart with his love, and we go from one degree of grace unto another degree of grace. All right, Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 through 21. All right, this is our text for tonight. Let's read it again. I am crucified with Christ. All right, so now we are called upon 
And it seemed kind of contradiction, uh, contradictory that the writer says, crucified and live. Crucified and live. So you got to crucify yourself, and at the same time, you got to live. But this is what God is telling us. There's another scripture that backed this up, and that's the book of um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Says, and therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your what? Reasonable service. Uh-huh. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye Amen. Good. Give God a hand for her. Amen. Do me a favor. Look at somebody and tell them, I got something to prove. Amen. As children of God, we do have something to prove. We have to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And Paul said, it's our reasonable service. How is it reasonable service? in light of what Christ have done for us. And I think we spend too little time reminiscing the real sacrifice that Christ committed on our behalf. The death, the burial, the resurrection. We have Hymless, bloodless, thoughtless churches that are filled with so-called Christians. Nobody wants to preach the blood anymore. And oh God, the hymns. Ah, it don't have enough of pizzazz, you know. I just, you know, I like to rock. Let me tell you why. The worship is not for you. The worship is for Christ. And you don't always feel good when you worship, do you? No. Do you think they felt good when they had that cow dragging it up the hill to put on an altar? Every time they look around, they think, bad. You think they were skipping along the pathway? No, they had to bring that calf. Then they had to turn around and they had to prepare the calf. They had to go out there and examine it to make sure it was the right calf. It wasn't one of those things that, well, you know, this one is crippled, so I'm going to get this one today. I, I want to get rid of that thing anyhow. He ain't going to make God no, no different because he's he limping in how ain't going to be dead. Don't make no different. Now, God said, I want the sacrifice to be perfect. We, we want to become people of the book that we live and die by the book. We believe in the whole Bible, not bits and pieces of the Bible. We believe in the whole Bible. It is the word of God. All right? The whole, the whole essence of our, spiritual of our spiritual perfection or profession has everything to do with Jesus Christ. It's not us, it's him. So now it's not because you don't understand. We got good understanding, right? Amen? You can sit there with that little phone in your hand and got more 
in that little phone in your hand that some of the greatest theologians of our time was exposed to? How did they come up with so much with so little? The author of this book talked about the King James Bible and how we say we can't understand it because it says thee and thou and thus. And yet, with all of the translations of the Bible that we have, the writer says, we are colder now. We are less committed now. Churches are being emptied now. With all of the translation that we have, with all of the understanding, it's not the lack of understanding, it is the lack of love for Jesus Christ. If we are going to move from the 30-fold Christian, we're going to have to go to a place where we got to realize, I know God has set me here for a purpose, and that purpose is to perfect holiness in me. How many of y'all know that you got to perfect holiness? You got to reach down into the well of your heart. You got to dig a well within you where that love of God flow out of you back to him. And you got to do it out of love. I love him so. They, they said about, who was it? Was that Daniel they said? Said, we'll not find any fault on Daniel only when it concerns his God. Don't you want that same testimony? The only time we're going to find a fault on him as it pertained to his God. Where a group of people love God enough. Don't nobody have to wash you. The Holy Ghost on the inside of you beats you up. You all Holy Ghost still beat y'all up? I'm a bishop. I get a beat, a, a bishop's beating. Holy Ghost, work on me. Still work on me. And I thank God for it. I would be stupid if the Holy Ghost didn't beat me, knock me up. So I I'm the only one in. All the rest of y'all perfect. Holy Ghost don't beat none of y'all up, do it. It turned me up. But that's what obedience is. Obedience is doing what you are told to do even when you don't want to do it. That's what obedience is. It's not you telling me, uh, uh, Bishop, I'll tell you what, I want you to make a sacrifice. I want you to get a piece of latest uh, pound cake and some butter pecan ice cream. I want you to eat at least two servings. <laughs> and then I turn around and say, I surrender. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a sacrifice. <laughs> How about fasting sometime when God move on you to fast? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And look at me, time you go on a fast, everybody offering you stuff. The bacon in the room smells so good. Do you want to fast? No, but God said fast. And then you start obeying, and you got to understand that obedience is costly. Did Jesus want to die on the cross? How you know he didn't want to die on the cross? He begged three times. He begged three times under excruciating pressure. Father, remove this cup from me. One time. Father, please remove this cup from me. The third time. Father, you can do all things. If you want to, you can remove this cup. But nevertheless, 
not my will. Thy will be done. And he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, that's obedience. Now, when we learn to sacrifice, really sacrifice, when you can get to the place that God can deal with your money, but I mean the desire come, and then God satisfy the desire. But there must be a willingness in your spirit. We wonder when we're just doing minimum, why is it that God didn't open the windows of heaven? But that love, everything else got to fall into place. And God will start blessing you. The car, the house, and everything else will go. But you can't love this stuff above God. We got to have a sanctified life. 